0: Hi, and welcome to the Mount Hamilton Baptist Church podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. For more information, go to mhbc.ca. Uh, last week, for those of you who are here, you will remember that, one, in this fall, Leanne has been doing, Pastor Leanne, who I just refer to as my wife, <laughs> uh, has been doing a sermon series on uh, the gifts that we see in Ephesians chapter 4. So there's the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists the shepherds and the uh, teachers. And she identified me as a prophet. And I'm not a prophet, but I do have some maybe some gifts that fall within those categories. So just to make, put you at peace, I've chosen not to call down fire on us today. Uh, or anything like that. Uh, no, that's quite a like, way to like set me up. So if I'm no good today, then I apologize. <sighs> It's a bit awkward. Uh, what I want you to do is just turn to the person beside you or people around you and uh, you can have one of two different questions. Uh, one question would be, uh, when was a time, What is?" and don't go to like the deepest, darkest secrets or issues in your life, but maybe what's one area, I'm going to go just dive right in, what's one area of your life uh, that you kind of struggle to let God be control of? So uh, again, this is not easy, <laughs> Uh, one kind of part of your life where you just sort of struggle to, hey God, I need you to take a part of that. Okay, we're gonna dive like seriously right in. So that's one question, or the second one, which may be a little bit easier, is how do you, when it comes to your time and how you use your time, what's one area that you kind of struggle to give to God with your time? Okay, so one area is uh, what was the first question again? <laughs> <laughs> what do you struggle with to give to God? and one was with time, specifically. Okay, so I'm gonna give you just like a minute or two, a couple minutes to turn to the person, or you can get groups of three if you're around there. Okay, one of those questions. I believe that there's two issues that are wreaking havoc on our lives these days. One has to do with identity, and one has to do with time. Identity and time. When I was a kid, uh, I knew, I was, blessed to know that God loved me and that my parents loved me, and I realize that not all of you have had that experience. As I got into my uh, early teen years though, maybe even my 12, 13, uh, I became very, very conscientious that uh, I was short. (laughs) I'd always been a good athlete, and so I was always able to compensate when it comes to that kind of stuff, but I was really, really short, I was also very, very thin. So thin that when we played hide-and-seek, I just had to turn this way and people would totally miss me. (laughs) I was also a redhead. And while uh, I thought, you know, while my mother's friends would all pinch my cheeks and say that it was cute, it's really not something that I loved. In the words of Mike Myers in one of the movies, I always look an orange on a toothpick. (laughs) So those three things, it only got worse in my early teen years when I started waking up and having zits on my face. It started with just one or two, or three. So my dear mother, in an effort to, uh, to love me and recognize that, you know, maybe I'm struggling with this, she said to me one morning, Dallas, would you like me to put some makeup on it? <laughs> to which I said, if you think it'll help, So I get to school, and within about at about 9, you know, school starts at 9, 9, 10 AM, Veronica, who's sitting right beside me over there, she leans over and says, Dallas, are you wearing your makeup? <laughs> to which I did what would only be responsible and, and expected of me. I denied it. <laughs> and then I waited the appropriate amount of time to say, uh, teacher, can I go to the bathroom? <laughs> to go wash off my face. You have all had those moments when your identity was confronted, and you're kind of like, oh, I don't know if I like who I am. I mean, little did I know that, that I would still continue to be short, but that I would put on some weight over the years, <laughs> and my red hair would literally be gone, turn to brown, and it'll be gray probably before I know it. Um, but you know what God did provide me? Uh, You know, when I was a teenager, I was about 16, and by the way, the the zits became like covering my entire face, and it was just all, my face was red at times, and uh, at one of those dark times when I kind of like just really struggled to look at myself in a mirror, uh, that night, uh, God gave me a dream, and I looked at my face, and there was no acne, and it would be about four to six years later before that actually cleared, but it was like God's little gift to me to be like, I gotcha. It was a wonderful gift. Uh, For all of us, we go through life asking different questions. And most of you aren't asking questions about acne and that kind of stuff. But in your childhood, you you are asking big identity questions like, who am I? In your teen years, you start saying, how do I fit into this? How do I fit into my family? How do I fit into my church community school? Often in our early 20s or in our 20s, we say, what am I going to do with my life? Some of you might be in that stage. And as you get a little bit older, you start asking, who have I become as a person? Often this happens in our 40s, and so people like me go through our midlife career crises, and maybe you can join me in that. Just kidding. And into our mid-50s, often we start saying, like, who, what have I accomplished? What have I done in my life? And for those of you who are into retirement, you know, you're looking back saying, what was my legacy? What did I have to offer? And so these identity questions, we all struggle with them. And these days, when you go and you look on social media, for instance, we have our, uh, our, our pages, and there's all kinds of different identity things that we say. Some of us say we're artists, or musicians, or we're electricians, or we're teachers, and our identity can be placed in so many different categories. And in some ways, that's a wonderful thing. And in some ways, that can just add this complicated thing to life, Who am I? Now, there's another thing that I'm suggesting wreaks havoc in our life, and that's time. Uh, We all have the same amount of time, and yet it's pretty common to hear people say, oh, I'm so busy, my life is so incredibly busy, and yet we all have uh, the same time to sleep, the same, you know, ballpark we spend about a third of our life sleeping, these change, and everyone's got a little bit different here. We spend about a third of our time uh, at work. And maybe it's not that you actually spend 56 hours working a week, but there's all kinds of work, whether it's your, your job or other places. And, and you spend a bunch of time being pro- product, productive. I know some of you are retired, and, and some of you don't work, and that's okay. But we spend a big chunk of our time doing this. And then there's that other third of our time. And that's where we often live life, the stuff of life. And these days, what's really interesting about time is, is, you know, many of us struggle to even sleep. Because as we're trying to sleep, we're often thinking about this, we're worried about that. And when we're at work, we struggle to have God be a part of that at times. And sometimes when we're in that in-between time, which includes, you know, eating, and, or, I mean, pardon me, uh, getting food, and, and taking care of our home life, and all of those different things, we can become overwhelmed with all of that. And learning how to kind of invite God into all of that, it becomes a bit of a challenge. The question can be like, is Jesus Lord of my sleep? (laughs) Is Jesus Lord of my life at night? Or do I want to, do I become anxious? And do I heap on myself thinking about the future and what could be or, or should be? Or when we're at work, do I let Jesus be a part of that? or during the stuff of life? And one of the things I'm not going to try and encourage you or challenge you with today is to say, you need to fill that that red space, that other space. I'm not telling you to do more activity for God. I'm saying, can we let God into all those aspects of life? And that's part of the journey that we're all on. So we're going to turn today to Romans chapter 10. And there's a verse, uh, verses 9 to 13. I'm going to read the passage for you. If you declare with your mouth... Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm going to look at that first. Let's just dive in a little bit more into that first uh, verse. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I want to make a couple points around that, uh, that, that key verse. The first is this. There's a simplicity, there's a, just a simplicity to it. There is, it's not complicated. You call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. And there's this directness about it. It's simple, it's direct. There is nothing more to it. Sometimes we take Christianity and we, we turn it into this bigger thing, and it's quite simple. We have a direct relationship with God. The gospel is incredibly mysterious. You and I cannot describe all the aspects of it. And yet, it is still simple. It's knowable. God is knowable in the person of Jesus. I keep stepping on my water bottle. I will stop doing that. (laughs) There's another aspect to this our declaration is about God's promises. It's not about our thoughts, it's not if we think God is good, it's not if we think about how great and mighty God is, it's about what God has declared, about who he is. It's not about our emotions, how I feel about God this day or that day, you know, uh, I've said this before, I don't even know, maybe I even said this last week, externally I have this like wave of emotions, you know, they come and they go, but internally often my emotions go a little bit more like this. And... And while I can kind of proclaim Jesus as Lord, there are times where I'm like, oh, but God, why are you letting this or that happen? And that's okay. That's part of the journey. I think many of you have been there also. There's another key thing about this passage, and that is this. You don't need to be perfect. This good news is for the most despicable person that has ever lived. Remember the person up beside Jesus on the cross? This was good news for them. It's also good news for the self-righteous. Sometimes we don't think that that they deserve to have uh, a freedom in Christ. And we need to be reminded of that, both that that's for us, whether we consider ourselves despicable, or whether you consider yourself the most perfect person on earth. Jesus is Lord of both. And it also hopefully helps you be gracious to those who have a bit of a chip on their shoulder or for those who have really underestimated who God has made them to be. And then there's another thing about declaring. You know, sometimes we declare Jesus is Lord and we can do it mightily and we can do it uh, boisterously. And for those of you who are new to faith, and when you come new to faith, you get excited that God is, you know, this is this good news, and you want to proclaim it loudly. And there's others of you who want to proclaim it, you know, just kind of faithfully and steadily, and, and you want to say, Jesus is Lord, but, you know, <laughs> life gets complicated, but I'm going I'm to stick to it in the long term, and I'm going to run. And there's others of you who sometimes it doesn't feel like that, and we have those moments when it's a week. Jesus is Lord. It takes everything in us to proclaim Jesus as Lord. And yet we're still trying to do it faithfully. And so in all of those, as we declare Jesus as Lord, something happens in us and also through us. And that is part of the good news. The equation is quite simple. If we confess that Jesus is Lord with our mouth, and we believe it in our heart, we will be saved. Amen? Amen. This is good news. It is a simple equation. Let's jump down a couple verses. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. So this is a quote from uh, Isaiah 28 that says, so this is what the sovereign Lord says, see I lay a stone in Zion, uh, that would be like Jerusalem. Back in the uh, Old Testament, in the first half of the Bible, uh, Jesus or God, pardon me, uh, dwelled among the people, and he did that in the temple in Israel, in Jerusalem specifically. And so here it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. And so in Scripture... In the New Testament, after Jesus has come to earth, it says that that Zion is no longer, it's no longer that God just dwells in one temple, God dwells in the person of Jesus, and through the Holy Spirit, God dwells in you. But listen to some of those other words that we see here. It's a tested stone, a precious cornerstone. So it's tested, it's precious, it's a sure foundation And any one of us who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. Now go back to those times in the middle of the night when we wake up anxious about how we're going to pay those bills, or what we're going to do with work, or what we're going to do in that one relationship. We don't have to panic when we proclaim Jesus as Lord. And so even over our sleeping and at night, Jesus is Lord. You know, the other thing it says here is that it's, uh, it's tested. You know, I, I just brought a couple books that have made an influence on in my life over the last few years. I just real grabbed them off. Some of them are on productivity, some of them are on leadership and emotions and, and various other subjects. And, you know, they've, they've helped shape my mind over the last few years. And they've been good, but they don't stand the test of time. These authors, they've they've helped me think better than i did in the past but god's word jesus that's going to stand the test of time and when our emotions go up and down when the anxiety of tomorrow feels like it's overwhelming us it's christ that stands the test of time let's keep going For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and richly blesses all who call on him. So this comes to us from the book of Romans. And Romans was a letter that was sent to people in Rome. And this is around, uh, well, it's in the first century. And Paul, the author, is saying to the people that there is no longer a difference between Jew and Gentile. So Jews were the, God's chosen people, right? The ones who had originally worshipped God at the temple and in Israel. And now Paul is saying, this good news, it's for both of those Jews and also the Gentiles. That's everyone who didn't get to be part of the chosen. There's a couple things I want to, that's really important for us to notice. So those Jews, the original people who would have heard this, when they heard Jesus as Lord, this would have been a radical idea. Because in many ways, their faith had been about how I become righteous before God. It was a lot about some doing good works. And this is proclaiming, it doesn't matter how good you are, how good you can be, you are not righteous. <laughs> and the other thing that would have been radical for those first hearers of this news is that Jesus is God that the God of the universe comes to us in a person and is personal. And that would have been revolutionary for them. The other thing for those Gentiles is that by proclaiming Jesus as Lord, they're saying that Caesar is not Lord and that the idols that people worship are not Lord and that their hope can be in Jesus. So now, uh there's other people in this room who could ex- describe this better than I but in that ancient world uh think back even before this book was written back in Egypt there was often gods the people had gods they had the sun god and there was the moon gods and in the ancient world there was all these different gods and you had to keep the gods happy because they were at war with each other and they were fighting and there was battles going on in the skies and if you if the gods weren't happy then it wouldn't rain which is a big deal when agricultural agriculture is the way you make Uh, money and you need rain and so you had to keep the gods happy and what happened was in the roman world uh, the emperor caesar started saying i am god that the caesar was one of the gods and they used a phrase caesar is lord and they said that caesar was both god and human you ever heard those claims before And so in the ancient world, they were saying you had to proclaim that Caesar is Lord. And if you didn't, persecution happened. You know, persecution still happens today. In the CBOQ world, we have this guy named Israel Obiji. And he was, I'm trying to remember, maybe I've told this story before. If not, I'll tell it again. Uh, Israel had a job like mine in Nigeria. Nigeria has 10,000 Baptist churches. It's the second largest Baptist group in all of uh, the world. And Israel... Uh, provided leadership for all the church plants there. And uh, people didn't like that with the Boko Haram. And they put a, a hit out on his life. And Israel and his wife, uh, Christiana, had to flee to North America. Not only could they have to flee to North America, they couldn't even end up in England, in, uh, in New York because there was a hit out on their life. So they had to fly to, uh, to Toronto, and they're now serving in Toronto. And Israel has bullet shrapnel in his leg because he is proclaimed Jesus as Lord and when he was asked to deny it he said no I'm not going to deny that and that nearly cost him his life. I just met a few weeks ago a man named uh, Saeed and Saeed uh, lives in uh, or lived in Iran Saeed had gone to seminary to be a uh, Islamic clerk he went to the, the Muslim seminary for three years and his wife was given a Bible his wife walks into the home and says, this is what I got. And, and he says, throw it in the garbage. And so he, she throws in the garbage. And then a little bit later on, he went into the garbage and he took the Bible and he started reading it. And then he would hide it. And every time his wife would leave, he would read the Bible and then hide it again. Little did he know that when he went off, <laughs> his wife would grab the Bible, secretly he, she found it, she would read it. And both of their lives were transformed by this good news. Now, she was thrown in prison with her kids as a way of getting to him. They, they worked to get her release, but the people said, You have one week to denounce your faith, or, or things bad, very bad things will happen. The good news is within 24 hours, they were able to get the turkey to freedom. Uh, he had been started a, a house church network, and he continued to get this. He started doing that with Facebook kind of like we do our services on Facebook Live or whatever it is, Uh, he was doing that in Iran. 1,400 people would be watching these services in Iran. Jesus being proclaimed. Isn't that amazing? And then now he's in Toronto and continuing to do these services in Iran. It's very, uh, the political place there, it's, it's very touchy. And so there would be cousins who he would know are both watching his service, but he couldn't, make sure, he couldn't let them know that each other were watching it for fear of their safety. People who were saying, Jesus is Lord, it is costly. So in the ancient world, when these people would have heard it, they would have been told, you got to proclaim Caesar is Lord. And Paul would say, no, 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 no. Jesus is Lord. Now there's another thing that happened in that ancient world. The people would look to little trinkets, little idols, And they'd wake up in the morning and they would hold their little idol and they would look for it for that the God, that would keep the gods happy. They'd look for it for their hope, to help them in making decisions. And they'd give a lot of time and energy towards those little idols. And you and I might think, oh, how silly those people. And yet some of us wake up in the morning and we grab a little device and we look to it for our health and to give us ideas about the weather and our, the economy. I appear to have a dead battery here. <laughs> and so you and I are not that different. We often take things and put undue uh, hope in things that aren't going to satisfy. And the temptations that the Jews had to be self-righteous is the same temptation that you and I face. You know, I'm a religious person, and it's very simple and easy for me to become self-righteous about it. And to say that Jesus is Lord, well, our temptation is always to create Jesus in our own image. And you and I are confronted by that. We do this often in our political ways. (laughs) Well, that party, that's the one that Jesus would endorse we maybe have felt that in the last few weeks or we see that as our neighbors to the south and that's a temptation that's before us that we turn Jesus into what we want him to believe to want him to be another temptation just like those those Greeks is that we put our attention our knowledge our hope our decision making in the wrong things and you and I are often is our hope in the right direction Or is it just in temporal things? Let's go back to that last uh, part of the verse. And so the passage ends uh, with everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this is a promise for us that it's for everyone. It's a confidence. It gives us confidence It gives us boldness that everyone who calls on Jesus will be saved. And that is incredible news. And so, I want to go back to thinking about our identity and our time. These are issues that we struggle with all the time. Think about the identity piece. Will, I'm going to trust you to lead it now. I lost my uh, connection here. Think of your identity. Scripture says that you, each and every one of you, is a saint if you call on the name of the Lord, if you've made Christ central in your life. That you are a saint. You are holy. You are set apart. Not because of how good you are, but because Christ said it. But the reality is, we are also identified as all being sinners. And so inside of us, we can never escape that. And at each and every day, we're both saints and sinners. And our identity, it's like, wait, am I I a saint? Or am I a sinner? And you kind of bounce back and forth. And you and I know what it's like to do that, right? Okay, today I feel more like a saint. And then 10 minutes later, oh, I think I feel more like a sinner. <laughs> Some of you are a lot better at being sinners than others. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> For all have sinned. And our identity bounces often back and forth. And it's hard to navigate that at times. But there's another aspect to our life, and that is time. You know, Scripture says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that our hope is that whatever has happened in the past, Christ was Lord over. It. And whatever is going to happen in the future, Christ will be Lord over. It. And today, Christ is Lord over. It. And so Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But you are not the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we often look at our past. And sometimes when we look at our past, we look at our yesterdays. We think of, oh, why did I screw that up? And we have, we have regret over some of the decisions we made. Sometimes we have a reductionistic history. Oh, man, if I had just done this and then I'd done that and done that, my life would be so much better today. And so we look at our past, or sometimes we think that it was better back then. Oh, if only we could go back to the good old days. And that carries with it this emotion sometimes when we think about the past. And some of us, when we're lying in bed in the middle of the night, all we can do is think about the future and the anxiety and the panic of what could be or what what we think might happen. And and again, we go from using our, our rational mind to being anxious, oh okay, God, or we just worried about what the future is gonna hold. And God's not asked you to do that. We pray, give us today our daily bread, because what how we live today is really what matters. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow is gonna to have enough issues on, of, on its own. Today, now is the time that we have an opportunity to say, God, I, I need you right now. And so part of our identity is learning to live at this crossroads between saying, I'm a sinner and a saint, and there's lots that might happen, there's lots that did happen, but today I'm going to claim you Jesus is Lord. And so my hope and my prayer for each and every one of you is that you would live with the recognition that Jesus is Lord over everything. And sometimes I struggle to proclaim it. There's times where I can do it boldly, there's times I can do it faithfully, but there's oftentimes I do it quite weakly. <laughs> with not a lot of oomph behind it. Oh, Jesus, the oh Lord. And that's okay. That's part of the journey. I want to read to you something I wrote this week for you. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. The worship team can start coming up here. It's a little poem or something. Prayer. If Jesus is Lord, our anxiety doesn't win. Our best ideas are just that, ideas. Our plans give us direction, but they don't define us. Our hurts don't hold the totality of our experience. Our fears do not consume us. If Jesus is Lord, our children are his. Our lives are His. Our gifts are for the sake of blessing others. Our joy is complete. If Jesus is Lord, you do not need to be perfect. If Jesus is Lord, you do not need to be liked in order to be valuable. If Jesus is Lord, you do not need to achieve at all costs. If Jesus is Lord, you do not need to be defined as unique or special. If Jesus is Lord, you do not need to understand everything. If Jesus is Lord, you do not need to build contingency plans to work out the future. If Jesus is Lord, you do not need to experience it all. If Jesus is Lord, you do not need to be in control. If Jesus is Lord, you do not need false peace. If Jesus is Lord, then I am not. And that is our gospel hope.